This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury and welcome to Tech Talk this morning. I'm going to be very clear how I pronounce that today because I have TikTok coming here on Tech Talk. Uh, I have Hafizin uh, Tajudin. He's the head of public policy for Malaysia for TikTok. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Richard, for having me today. Um, Absolute pleasure. Great to be here at BFM. Digital usage in Malaysia is at an all-time high. Uh, each year, we consistently rank at the top of the list for digital usage in Southeast Asia. And with an increasing number of users on social applications, e-commerce and mobile web usage, data reportal shows that there was an increase of 1.3% of internet users between 2021 and 2022, with a reported 29.55 million internet users in Malaysia as of January 2022, putting Malaysia at an impressive 89.6% internet penetration rate. While the internet and its platforms bring innumerable benefits, uh, but for every upside, there are, of course, downsides, and social media on the whole is not spared. Where social media can be used to entertain, educate, and inform, uh, some also misuse it for negativity. Dangerous challenges, scams, phishing, and identity theft have been on the rise, with even businesses falling victim and individuals being on the receiving end. This then begs that question, in a generation that is now digital first with digital natives, how literate are we? TikTok, as you know, I am sure, is a video platform that aims to spread joy and takes the experience and safety of its community seriously. And over the years, it has run digital literacy campaigns such as hashtag safer together and hashtag think before you do, which advocates for community members to stay safe whilst having fun. The in-app digital literacy hub that acts as a one-stop center for all of TikTok safety efforts and measures, as well as panels and awareness webinars that touch on responsible internet usage to make the internet a safer space for all. So we do have uh, Hafizin with us right now. And um, I guess, Hafizin, when you came into the office just a few moments ago, um, the first thing I said to you was that I'm sure over the last few months, uh, your job hasn't been an easy one. Um, can you kind of just explain to me how long have you been, you know, head of public policy here in, in Malaysia and, and, and what kind of a, how difficult was it when you first got in compared to where you are now? Well, thank you, Richard. That's a very interesting question. Um, I joined at a very interesting time um, in October, a few weeks before the election. We foresee the election to be um, a normal one, um, of course, we know there are some areas that we need to focus on, learning, learning from other elections during that time, Brazil election, uh, Philippines election, and meet them in the US. Mm -hmm. We know misinformation was the um, key areas, so we focus on that. So I think we did fairly well in up leading up to the election. And of course, post the election, there was some concern regarding the spread of some negative content on the platform. Mm. Um, that pushed us to, I would say, um, to step up our games, to work closer with regulators and um, the new government to reinforce trust. And I think overall, we have done a really good job in reinforcing the trust and 
strengthening the relationships, particularly with the Ministry of Communications and MCMC, mm-hmm. the Malaysian Communication and Multimedia Commission. And the relationship you have with them right now is, is a good one, is it? I would say a very good one. Um, it's quite apparent. I think we have seen numerous statements by the MCMC, for example, thanking us, thanking TikTok, mm. um, along with some other online platforms as well for our three factions in taking down negative content uh, post the general election. Mm-mm. Okay, let's start with then the 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 importance of digital literacy. And let, let's start off with something positive because I, as you know, <laughs> I have a few questions that could be quite difficult later on. Um, how do you see it though being used to create an inclusive and welcoming space for, for the community on TikTok? Yeah, um, TikTok is a very unique in the sense that we promote joy, promote authenticity and promote positivity. We would like to position ourselves as a platform for people to really show their brightest and the most fun side of of things. But of course, TikTok is not just about dancing. Mm. We also do serious stuff. For example, recently, we rolled out some initiatives promoting STEM uh, uh, to our users. And of course, you can learn tips to build up your resume. So it's just not dancing. So it's more than that. But bottom line, we want to keep it positive and fun. Mm. Um, And of course, one way of doing that is making sure the space is safe and secure. So I will be sharing more uh, details when we, um, you know, throughout this conversation. But one of the best way that we make sure that the, sa- the space remains safe and, and secure is by enforcing our community guidelines. Because our community guidelines specifically clear out the do's and the don'ts. For example, do we discourage and we ban uh, content that promote racial, um, I would say extremism, uh, misinformation, um, maybe uh, hate speech even. Um, so we, I think we have a robust community guidelines. Mm. But on top of that, I would also, I would like to emphasize that the way we look at how to promote TikTok as a safe sp- space is by working together with um, all partners, um, not just you know creators, but also users, making sure that they know what to what to do and how to behave when when they um, are on. I mean, we utilize our platform. It takes two to tango. Definitely, and in our in our case, it takes three actually. Right. So if, if I may, like uh, take two minutes just to explain, please. We the way we operate is that we always emphasize on three main pillars. The first one is trust and safety. That's on us in making sure that TikTok is safe and and secure um, at all times by, among others, enforcing community guidelines. Mm. Number two is making sure that the space is positive. And this is where we encourage users to create positive content to fight, for example, misinformation. Some of the negative, for example, inaccurate reporting or misinformation. As much as we can take it down, it is best to be also addressed through spreading of accurate information and content. Mm -hmm. So that is on our users and content creators. And finally, on digital literacy, because we are a user-generated content, there's only so much that we can take down. But if negative content keep coming in, um, the efforts would would not achieve as much um, results that we wanted. So this is where we work with our partners, Content Forum, for example, parents, to really encourage users to know um, how to enhance their digital digital literacy. Mm -hmm. Among others, one of the specific focus for now is educating users to report uh, any violative content to us directly instead of downloading the neg- any negative content and spread it further on our on other apps, mm. which we do not have control um, 
one. Mm. I mean, we, we've all seen that. You know, yeah. somebody's seen a, a bad video, whether it be on TikTok or any of the other platforms, and they've shared it on something like WhatsApp or whatever, and, and it's gone. Yeah, okay. Um, well, let's look at some other things then. I mean, and we we talk about safe spaces and, and um, all of these very important things. Yet we're reading in the newspapers and we're reading online uh, and uh, about the UK currently finding TikTok um, 12.7 million uh, pounds um, for the ability of under 13 year olds to be able to use the app and it not necessarily being uh, enforced perhaps as strongly as it could. What's your kind of response to that, though? I mean, there's criticism, of course, yeah. and it, it's all over the news, and it's something that if we didn't address it, I didn't ask you that question, I, I would be remiss in, in doing the job that I'm supposed to do. Yeah, thanks, Richard. I would say the effort continues. Um, the first one I would like to emphasize, firstly, is that we are very, very committed when we say that we are serious in protecting the privacy of uh, minor. In fact, in our community guidelines, one of the areas is on minor safety. So mm. that, that's really important. On top of that, we have a robust privacy policy, especially for minors. I mean, we have a specific um, policy for minors' privacy and minor safety. Yeah. And on top of that, I would say that there are two immediate steps that we, that we have taken. Um, number one, our moderation practices has been enhanced to number one, detect um, accounts belonging to those um, under 13, because we don't allow those under 13 to have accounts with us. And number two, uh, we have enhanced features where, for example, uh, we introduce parent pairing, where parents can monitor their children's activities and report to us. And whenever we receive reports from parents, we that reports would, would be given, um, I would say, a very, very uh, high priority. A priority. Yeah. Right, right. What, what, the, what happens though when you have kids who are 13 years old or under who pretend to be 18 years old? You know, how do you police that, so to speak? Yeah, that, that's a very interesting question because um, the answer requires like a multifaceted approach. Mm. But let's start with what we can do at TikTok. Um, the first one is we can monitor some trends in terms of the content that they enjoy, the, can, their comments, for example, the language that they use. We do have um, our moderation team, uh, hum, both human and automated system, to really try to see the patterns. And for example, um, globally, we have removed over 17 million um, accounts belonging to those under 13 um, years old. So that's on our side. 17 million? Yes. Wow. Uh, globally. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, and of course, uh, uh, Richard, the other side or the other, the other um, I would say, role uh, belongs to the parents um, themselves yeah. to really monitor and guide, um, educate um, their children, the young users on the do's and the don'ts as well, because mm. education starts at home after mm. all. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it does have easy, and, and I'm sure you, you'll understand that. This, though, it's a difficult thing to be in, uh, a difficult position to be in, because when I was a kid uh, and I was told what I can and can't do, there were times when I would obviously do the things I, I shouldn't be doing. You know, I'd be laid in my, my room listening and watching music or, or watching um Stuff and listening to stuff I shouldn't have been listening. Every kid does that, right? Yeah. Obviously, we've been uh, looking at TikTok, and it is in the spotlight recently with with things like concerns about data privacy and security, especially amongst governments who have this concern that it may endanger sensitive user data. Talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, because this right now is 
And like you say, you came in in October, and this must have been everything that you've been dealing with since October. And that can't be an easy thing to be continually talking about. Yep, uh, that's a very <laughs> yep. important angle you mentioned that, Richard, because my, my teammates, uh, regionally and globally, they've, they've been telling me, you know, this is the best moment to really um, like sharpen your learning curve, yeah. joining at the right time to really fasten your learning. But um, I agree. And this is my fresh take, you know, com- coming as a person who just joined the company. I believe with what um, we are communicating externally, as a user as well. For example, when we say that we are committed to protecting and respecting the privacy of our users, we mean it. And how do we mean it? It's very simple, uh, Richard. We make our privacy policy public. It's available online. We demonstrate how we responsibly collect, process, and use your data. Mm. And we have a body of um, independent research, for example, by uh, Georgia Tech Institute, that concludes TikTok doesn't collect more data than other platforms. That's number one. And number two, that we do not pose any national security to the US, and I'm sure for, for any governments as well. And specifically for Malaysia, what I like the most is that in my recent conversation with government officials, they were initially skeptical in, in, in the way how we process the data. Mm. But when we shared our public, uh, privacy policy notice, they were very impressed because... Yes, people may not have been paying attention that is available online, but we make make it very clear. We use your data for number one, to make sure that we can provide better content for you on your For for You page. Mm. Number two, for advertising purposes, yes, if you consent. Same goes with certain data that you share with us. We make it clear what we gather. And number two, you, you are empowered as a user to decline, reject or restrict the data that you are sharing with us. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, let's take a short break here and take a breather. Uh, folks, I'm in the studio with Hafizin Tajudin. He is the Head of Public Policy for TikTok Malaysia. We'll be right back after these messages here on Tech Talk on BFM 89.9. Behind Famous Men, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury and welcome back to Tech Talk. This morning I'm in the studio with Hafizin uh, Tajudin. He is the Head of Public Policy uh, for Malaysia at TikTok. Hafizin, um, we, we've had a, a good chat um, and we've spoken about how difficult things are uh, and how we've, we've spoken about um, uh, sensitive user data. Uh, now, during the last election and the run-up to the last election, there were videos being posted on TikTok, not just TikTok, but on other social media platforms. But TikTok came up a lot more, uh, specifically because it seems as though young Malaysians were more engaged with that platform than they were with others, arguably. So my question then is, uh, what role does TikTok see itself playing in the political landscape, especially in terms of engaging with with younger voters? Yeah, that's a very good question and timely as well, especially as we are gearing up to the state elections. Yeah. I would I would start by saying that as a platform, um, TikTok is primarily entertainment platform um, where we encourage users to be authentic, 
to enjoy um, good content on the platform. But of course, we do have our responsibility as well. Yeah. The first one is the the responsibility to educate our users about what's happening mm-hmm. and including their uh, civic duties, for example. And in the last election, we... Uh, worked together with the election commission in consultation. We consulted them in coming up with, um, I would say, a landing page where we remind um, our users um, on the do's and the don'ts, key important dates uh, leading up to the election, what you should bring when you go to the um, election station, for example. Mm, mm. So that, that's the, the first duty that we do. But beyond that, our, our, I would say, commitment is making sure that the space remains positive. We would work together with our partners to make sure that there is no spread of uh, misinformation, harmful information, for example. And I would like to take this opportunity to really like uh, clear the air that we are a neutral platform because you have seen um, recently in the news that Political Party X claimed that we have helped them in the last election. We did not. We did not help anybody. We uh, operate based on our community guidelines. So we take down contents that violate our community guidelines. Um, and finally, uh, I would say that we will continue to enforce our, com- our, our policy on governments, political parties and politicians' accounts, meaning we would not allow political advertising at all. This has been our... DNA mm. since since um, we first, but can't yeah. it slip through? Kind of uh, it, not overt political advertising, right? I mean, let's say you have some kid, uh, younger person rather. I say kid because <laughs> I'm much older than most people, wearing a political uh, T-shirt. Is would that be considered political advertising? That's a very good question, Richard. Um, I will start by saying that as a platform, as a neutral because platform, because it would be freedom of expression. Yes, right. As a, as a neutral platform, we would respect or we respect um, genuine political expression, freedom of speech, mm. but we do not condone um, anything that borderlines or constitute anything in, in something that inauthentic, or we call it CIB, a coordinated inauthentic behavior. If we detect some, um, for example, any content that are leaning towards inauthenticity, that would violate our community guidelines. But the work, though I must say, Richard, is a collective one. So we need to work with authorities to really find out whether this arrangement or, or you know, uh, some coincidence in terms of content really constitute something inauthentic or not. Right. I'll, I'll give you one example. Yeah, please. Assuming that we are attending a political party conference, we highlight one speaker, so 100 100 users are highlighting one political leader who's giving a speech, for example. Is it a coordinated? Because, because it happens at the same place, same right. time. Right. So it's not a clear-cut case. Mm-mm. But of course, I would say that, again, we do have a robust mechanism that would restrict the pol- any political advertising and, number two, curtail inauthentic behavior on our platform. How does, when somebody raises uh, an issue and thinks that something perhaps should be censored, how does TikTok respond to that? Talk me through the steps. If I was to report something to you and and I think this content needs censoring, I I think it's inappropriate behavior, or I think it's something that just shouldn't be on the platform. What are the steps that happens behind the scenes um, to content like that? Yeah. Um, The moderation process 
in that particular example, we would start by receiving the report. We would rely on our um, moderators to really review if there if there is any violation with our community guidelines. If, for example, there is any violation, we will take down those content and we will notify the uh, the person who reports to us that you know we have uh, taken down the content for violating our community guidelines. And we will also notify the content owner that we have taken down your content for violating our community guidelines. Mm -mm. And then, in the spirit of freedom of expression and due process, the owner of the content could submit an appeal to us um, for a second round of review, which, again, will be moderated based on our, on, on our community guidelines. Mm. So that is the first part of, I mean, second part of our moderation when we receive report. But... Most of the fun fact, Richard, most, I would say, a significant amount of content that we took down are done proactively. In Q3 uh, 2022, for example, we took down 600, more than 650,000 content and 95% 95, 95 were taken down proactively by um, Number one, by utilizing our automated system. And number two, by utilizing our human moderators. Right. So if at all, the reports that we receive from users and regulators are the remaining of, of those figures. Okay. Um, now, social media in general has been criticized for a, a number of things. And, and the one thing that keeps coming up regularly is, is this perpetuation of, of harmful beauty standards. Um, and, and body images, uh, body image issues, rather. Uh, what does TikTok um, do to address these concerns as well? Because I, I've seen this personally, you know, for younger people, and, and it, it doesn't matter what social media platform it, it re relates to, but you're here right now and I'm talking <laughs> to you about it. Tell me, you know, what do you do to address these concerns? Filt yeah. Filters are a big thing, you know, whether or not it's on TikTok or other social media platforms. Yeah, I think uh, we cannot equate like filters just by, um, you know, by being inauthentic right. because filters can be used for something fun. Sure. But of course, inauthenticity, which, um, which, you know, of a certain degree or more serious degree is something that we do not condone on a platform. But we agree that the efforts on this issue needs to be ongoing. Um, so we, we, in the long run, we'll continue to work with partners, um, including Ministry of Health, sorry, Ministry, Ministry of Education, mm. to really educate the young users. That, that's in the pipeline. But uh, what we have now is that we have existing uh, relationship or arrangements with Ministry of Health, um, working on mental health issues, for example. So I think we do have the foundation um, through our ecosystem of partners to really continue the good work that we've been that we have been doing mm. now i i see um i'm optimistic that you know if done right social media has uh the power to better society i i feel that no matter what platform it is i want to know what you see as your responsibility to society and how your company plans to fulfill that responsibility in the future that's a very very good question richard because our primary role and responsibility towards the um, community and the users is first and foremost, we must make sure that the space is safe, yeah. safe for our users, especially the uh, young users, that's number one. And we do this by enforcing our community guidelines. And I think we have a working model, a proven model that work uh, globally in terms of the moderation. But I think our role goes beyond that because I think there are a lot of other things that we, we can do. Uh, number one, in terms of partnering with uh, key stakeholders in providing 
digital training, digital upskilling. This is something that we are in touch with um, Ministry of um, Communications and Digital. We are thinking of ideas to provide some trainings to um, young users and small medium enterprises at PADI, Pusat Economy Digital or Digital Centre across Malaysia. Maybe we'll start with some targeted areas. That's number two. And number three, of course, in terms of economic empowerment. I think we have a lot of good stories to tell. Yeah. For yeah. example, our TikTok shop, um, we launched in June last year, but I think we are doing really well in terms of the overall growth. Uh, a lot of sellers are now uh, have now joined our community. So I think um, social media platform in general in, in this case, I'm speaking on behalf of TikTok. We need all the conducive support and uh, encouragement, I would say cooperation, uh, which is something that we really enjoy uh, with the current government and with other broader um, you know, stakeholders, including NGOs. I think um, for, as, as for the immediate steps, if I can be uh, a, bit, a bit honest here, I just hope that we can really move the hurdle post the state elections, for example, mm. And then we can focus on other bigger areas, bigger issues that, that brings benefits to more Malaysians in general. Okay. Uh, because this is great, I would say, uh, elections and uh, some, some concerns, uh, you know, safety uh, issues that are being discussed. But of course, there are a lot more other positive stories that we wanted to focus and highlight beyond what we've seen in the past couple of months. Hafizin, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Richard, for having me. Folks, I've been speaking with Hafizin Tajudin. He's the head of public policy for TikTok Malaysia. He was sharing with me some of TikTok's efforts in combating misinformation, empowering its community members to make the right decisions and creating a safe space for expression. If you did miss any part of the show, don't forget you can download the podcast wherever you normally get it from. I recommend the BFM app that is available from the Apple App Store or Google Play. My name is Rich Bradbury for Tech Talk on BFM 89.9. Listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.